0: tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John, John chapter number three. I'm not going to keep you long tonight. I'm, we're not going we're, we're to be very deep this evening. I'm just going to, uh, this will be simple, simple, simple tonight. Um, hey, listen, so we started, we, we took August, and we made August into what we entitled our Biblical Prophecy Month. We were going to be there in August. Ended up, we stayed there in August and then September. And uh, man, I have so much feedback from Sunday morning uh, on the Millennial Reign of Christ. And so we're going to go a little further this coming Sunday uh, on the Millennial Reign. And so anyway, I believe it's going to be—I believe it's going to be a help to you. So I hope that you will hope you'll be here and be praying. And uh, So we won't be there much longer, but we are going to be there a little while longer, so I hope that you'll be here this Sunday as we'll be, uh, we'll be carrying on our Biblical Prophecy Month just a little bit further, and maybe answer a few questions that you had uh, on Sunday morning. But uh, you know, here's the great thing, your wheels are turning, and that's good, because when your wheels are turning, that means you study your Bible. And so that's a good thing, and so we praise the Lord for that. But I want to, uh, on Wednesday night, we've been we've been in a series now for a little while on understanding our statement of faith. Uh, we're getting ready to, to draw that to a close, maybe even tonight. And uh, so I want you to look at John chapter 3 in your Bibles. When you find your place, if you're able to stand, why don't we stand one last time, give you a chance to stretch your legs and also uh, get some blood flowing, but also out of respect for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 11 through 16. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say to thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Jesus said, If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever, notice this verse, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Look at the next verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Notice the last phrase, but have everlasting life. That's what I want to talk to you a little, a little bit about tonight. We notice he uses the words eternal life in verse 15, the words everlasting life in verse 16. And so he may, may be seated this evening. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about that tonight. Now, so far in our series, we took a lot of time when we talked about the doctrine of the Scriptures We talked about the doctrine of the Godhead. We took two different Wednesday nights and we talked to you about the the triune God. Then we took three Wednesday nights and we talked about the doctrine of Satan. We talked about also the doctrine of man, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the way of salvation, the doctrine of separation, the doctrine of, of the return of Christ. We've been talking about that some on Sundays. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about This last subject, the doctrine of what we're calling our eternal state. The doctrine of our eternal state. So let's pray, and we'll jump into the Bible study tonight, and that's exactly what it is. We're going to teach a little bit this evening, and then we'll let you go. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary. Lord, thank you for the songs. Thank you for the singing, the congregational singing. Thank you, Lord, for the good special. And, Lord, we're so thankful for the Carpio's, and, Lord, for a wonderful time of missions emphasis. And, Lord, thank you for allowing us to partner with them in the Philippine Islands. And, Lord, I sure pray that you would bless them in a special way. Now, Lord, I pray supernaturally that, Lord, you would give us spiritual stamina to sit up, to listen, uh, and, Lord, not just listen, but to take in what we hear and uh, compress it and think about it And Lord, I pray that it would be a help and a blessing to those that are here this evening. Uh, Lord, bless through the live stream and use that ministry tonight. And and I pray because of something that we do or say tonight, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified, that he would be lifted up. And Father, that men and women, boys and girls would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so fill us with the Spirit of God now. Oh, how we need that so desperately tonight. And uh, we pray that you'll be pleased through all that's done. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. Well, if you were were to go to our website tonight, calvarybcug.com, one of the things that you would find there on our website is our statement of faith. Uh, And uh, one of the things that's listed on our statement of faith is, of course, the doctrine of our eternal state. If you were to go there tonight and you were to look at that and read it, I'm going to read it for you word for word pretty much. This is what it says, we believe in the bodily resurrection of all men, the saved to eternal life and the unsaved to judgment and everlasting punishment. And there's a long list of references that are uh, that, that are in parentheses after that statement. Matthew 25:46, John 5:28 and 29. Uh, Matthew 11:25 through26, Revelation 25 and 6, Revelation 20 verses 12 and 13. We believe that the souls of the redeemed are at death absent from the body and present with the Lord. Where in conscious bliss they await the first resurrection, when spirit, soul, and body are reunited to be glorified forever with the Lord. And again, there's a very long list of references there, and I won't take the time to to go over all of those, but you can definitely look at those on our website. We believe that the souls of unbelievers remain after death in conscious misery until the second resurrection. When with soul and body reunited, they shall appear at the great white throne judgment. Now, we've not got there yet in our biblical prophecy series, but we're getting there. And so hang in there just a little bit. You say, preacher, great great white throne, what is that? We're going to be talking about that uh, some here in the next little while. And so anyway, hang, hang in there with us with that. Uh, and, and shall be cast into the lake of fire, not to be annihilated, but to suffer everlasting conscious punishment. And again, there's a long list of references that go with that statement. In other words, when our statement of faith talks about the eternal state, it's addressing what's going to happen after death. What's gonna happen after death? What's it gonna be like when this life, when this life ends? Now, I understand that... um, there are a lot of people who don't want to talk about this subject. They don't want to talk about death, um, and some people think that this is very, uh, you know, a very morbid subject and that kind of thing. But I'm going to be honest with you. We're going to end on a real good note tonight, and so just, uh, uh, you know, for the child of God, this doesn't have to be something that you dread. All right, uh, but what's it going to be like? You know, there are some that believe that this life is all there is, that this is it. And that once this life ends, that there is no eternity. There is no, no everlasting life. Have you ever noticed this about those kind of people? You might work with some folks like that. Or maybe you went to class with people like that who, thought, who maybe told you, you know what, this is it. There is no life after this. And uh, Have you ever noticed this, that those people are some of the most miserable people in the whole world? Yeah. These people that claim to be atheists, you know, and say that there is no God. There is no God. Well, I hope there's a God because I'm going to tell you what, I'd hate to be as miserable as you are. I mean, really. That's, I want to say that sometime. And boy, thank God. You know what, those of us that believe that, that uh, you know what, this life doesn't end at all. Boy, thank God we have a blessed hope. Amen. A blessed hope. And this is not the end. But those people who believe that, you know what, boy, this is, you know, this is the end. Uh, what a sad, sad group uh, they are. I thought about, a fellow by the name of William Hearst. William Hurst was born in 1863 and lived to 1951, and he was one of the most uh, wealthiest men during the 20th century. He was what they called a media mogul. He was a newspaper guy; had a big newspaper uh, empire, and. Uh, they said that at the height of his career that uh, William Hearst was worth over $500 million. Now, again, keep in mind, he was born in 1863, so $500 million today is a lot of money. But back then, I mean, it was enormous. Yeah. And William Hearst was a, a, a very wealthy, wealthy man in a place called San Simeon, California. My wife and I, back in 2019, had the opportunity to go out to to Los Angeles to spend a little time with the kids, and we drove up the Pacific Highway. Some of you have done that, and we drove up the Pacific Highway, and uh, and I didn't even know I didn't even know about this place. We came to San Simeon, California. Now we were right there at COVID, and so uh, so Hearst Castle—that's what they call it. Hearst Castle was closed, and you couldn't go up there to it. It's like a national museum now in state in the state of California. But William Hearst had so much money that he decided that in San Simeon, California, he was gonna build Hearst Castle. There's nothing else like it in America other than the Biltmore Estate in Asheville, North Carolina. And he built that place, and you say, well, preacher, what's it like? Well, it's 90,000 square feet. It took him 28 years to build. It has 115 rooms, 38 bedrooms, 40 bathrooms in this place. And, and I, I started to put it on the screen tonight. I, I probably should have, but uh, if you've never seen it, just look it up. William Hearst. Look up Hearst Castle in San Simeon, California. And it is, it really is. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. It's an amazing thing. We could see it on the side of the mountain. Again, it couldn't drive up. It's got a private drive, and you couldn't, you, you couldn't drive up the drive because it was closed because of COVID, but you could see it. And it's just a, uh, it's a monstrosity, a beautiful monstrosity on the side of the mountain, overlooks the Pacific Ocean and the Pacific Highway, and it's just absolutely amazing. You say, well, preach, why'd you tell us that story? Well, uh, they said that William Hearst often invited the, uh, the, uh, you know the elite, the Hollywood elite to come to visit Hearst Castle. And if you're one of those celebrities that got got an invite to Hearst Castle, boy, you had really, you had really arrived. I looked it up. Some of the uh, invitations were extended to men like Calvin Coolidge, Winston Churchill visited Hearst Castle, Charlie Chaplin, um, Cary Grant, some of you older folks know some of these names, Uh, Charles Lindbergh, Clark Gable, uh, just to name a few that were invited to come and visit Hearst Castle. Now, I I told you that story to tell you uh, uh, for for a purpose. Uh, William Hearst would invite these elite to come to his castle, but when they came to the castle, they were given one major rule, and this rule was never to be broken, and if it was broken, they were to be given the understanding that as soon as that rule was broken, they would be escorted off the castle premises and never allowed to come back again. You say, preacher, what in the world? What was that rule? The rule was you were to never mention death. They said that William Hurst, $500 million, the guy was a multimillionaire, one of the richest men in America, but they said that William Hurst was scared to death of death. It, it terrified him. Just the thought of death terrified him. And so he told, his, he told his guests, "You can come, uh, you 'll be one of the elite, but don 't ever mention death don 't ever mention that word in my in my presence, and if you do you 'll be immediately escorted off the premises. They said this read the story it 's a neat story. They said that William Hurst was so was so consumed with this thing of death that one of the palm trees on the uh, on the uh, the campus or the uh, property there. One of the prom, uh, palm trees died and some of the leaves began to turn from green to brown. And so they said that the caretakers uh, climbed up the palm tree and sprayed the leaves green because William Hurst, William Hearst didn't want to be reminded of death. And so when he left and went off the premises, they pulled up the palm tree, planted a live palm tree while he was gone. He was that serious about it. Now, interesting story, because as much as he hated the thought of it, it came. It came for him. Death finally came for William Hurst. Well, aren't you glad tonight, Calvary, that we don't have to fear death? Man, aren't you glad? Listen, aren't you glad tonight? You know what, we can shout about this. Man, thank God life doesn't end at all for the child of God. First Corinthians 15, 19, Uh, uh, Paul said it like this. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I like what Billy Graham said. He said, someday you'll read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I would just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God, and how true that is, man! Yeah, there it is. There's Hearst Castle. I mean, just absolutely, absolutely amazing. Now I'm glad. Thank God we don't have to. We don't have to worry. Thank God we know that there's something else that's coming after this life. Now, I want to take just a few minutes tonight, 8, 10. And so just give me about 20 minutes tonight. But I want to just take about 20 minutes. And I want to talk to you about our eternal state. Several things that I want to draw to your attention tonight, and then we'll, we'll uh, l- let you go. Number one, I want you to understand the day of death is unknown. The day of death is un- unknown. Now, we're going to use our Bibles a lot tonight, so take your Bibles, if you will. And I want you to turn to the book of Psalms with me, the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 90 in your Bibles. The day of death is unknown. Psalm chapter 90 and verse number one. And the psalmist gives us some incredible advice here. Psalm chapter 90 and verse number one. The psalmist said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know what the psalmist is saying there? We don't know how many days we have. We don't know how long we have to live. And so, Lord, teach us to number our days. Listen, understand that, man, I've been on the earth a certain amount of days. And so, you know what? I may not have very many left. And so because of that, I need to make sure that I am as dedicated to the Lord as I can be. Hey, kids, I want to tell you something. Just go ahead right now and sell out to the Lord and serve the Lord with your life. Don't wait until you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years old. Somebody says, well, you know what, preacher? I'm just a young person right now. I'm just a teenager right now. One of these days, you know what, I'm 30 years old. I'm going to really get busy serving the Lord. Listen, friend, you don't know how many days you have. And so what we had better do, we better serve the Lord now. You know, sometimes people wonder, uh, you know, they say, preacher, you know, you get excited when you preach. And, you know, why do you get so excited about, uh, about preaching? I mean, you know, Lord willing, you've got a lot of years to come and you can preach. Friend, I don't know how many more days I've got. This might be the last night that I'll ever get the opportunity to preach the Word of God. And so knowing that, I'm going to do my best to preach it with all that I have. And so we understand the day of death is unknown. Number two is this, an appointment with death is sure. An appointment with death is sure. Did you know that we all have an appointment with death? Now you're in the book of Proverbs. Turn to the right just a little bit and turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes. And look if you will, at Ecclesiastes chapter eight and look at verse number eight with me. Interesting scripture here. An appointment with death is sure. It's sure. Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verse number eight. The preacher said it like this. There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of what? in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. Listen, you know what our Bible's telling us? We have no control over that. It's coming. (laughs) It's coming. And boy, there are people that are trying to get around it. And I've heard that some of these—I've uh, heard that some of these multimillionaires, you know, right at the point of death, right before they die, they've been put into a state of of, of uh, freezing and all these kinds of things. And they're doing their best best to, to try to avoid death. And some are looking for the fountain of youth, and uh, and they're hoping that science is going to discover something that will make them live forever. And I, I want to tell you something. I've got something that will make me live forever, and it's called Jesus. Amen. But listen, there's no discharge in that war. An appointment with death is sure. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men, once to die. But after this, the judgment. We've all got an appointment with death. You say, preacher, that's that's, that's morbid. That's not morbid. It's reality. It's reality. And these people who think somehow they're gonna avoid it, we all have an appointment. And I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, it is an appointment that we won't be one second late for. And so the day of death is unknown. An appointment with death is for sure. Look at this next thing. To ignore death is foolish. Now, we saw this the other night, but I want to draw your attention to it. Turn over to Luke chapter 12, and look, if you will, at verse number 16. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Brother Ernesto preached on Sunday night, did a wonderful job, uh, expounding on this, uh, this scripture, but I want to draw your attention to it one more time. Just for sake of this point, Luke chapter 12 and verse number 16, the Bible says, and he spake a parable unto them saying the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within, within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Verse 18 and he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Look at verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. But God said unto him, thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee then who shall those things be all listen to me to ignore death is foolish it's foolish listen that's why I just sometimes I just want to man sometimes I just want to reach out and shake people and say what are you thinking what are you thinking that's a good question what are you thinking why are you not serving Jesus What are you going to tell the Lord when you stand before him? And sometimes people sort of act like, well, I'm not going to stand before him. Yes, you are. You are going to stand before him one day. And it could be sooner than later. Death is coming. That's not morbid. It's reality. Death is coming. And because I know that death is coming, listen, I'm so thankful God's allowed me to pastor this church for 32 years. And what a joy, what a joy it is to to be your pastor for 32 years. But I'm gonna be honest, I don't know how much more time I've got. I may have 32 minutes left. And so, man, since I don't know, I wanna make sure that I do everything I can do to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and bring glory to him. And so, listen, listen to what we're saying here tonight. So the day of death is unknown. An appointment with death is for sure. To ignore death is foolish. But look at this. Thank God for this one right here. The, to dread death is unnecessary. To dread death is unnecessary. Now look at the book of Philippians in your Bible, if you will. Philippians chapter 1. And look, if you will, at verse number 20 with me tonight. Philippians chapter 1. Oh, thank God for this point. To dread death is unnecessary. Flip in chapter one and look at verse number 20. Paul says, according to my earnest expectation, my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now look at verse 21. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Amen. What? Paul, what are you talking about? Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die, that's even better. And to die is gain. Look at verse 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I want not. Paul said, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Paul said, listen, I want to stay here. I want to minister to you. I want to preach to you. I want to teach you. I want to encourage you. I want to see you mature in the Lord. Paul said, I want to stay here and serve the Lord. But he said, I'm going to be honest with you. Man, to think about dying is even better. Because when I die, he said, I know I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says it like this. A good name is better than precious ointment at the day of death than the day of one's birth. Now, it's 8.18. Let me close with a couple statements here or answer a couple questions. Preacher, our eternal state. What happens to a lost person when they die? What is their eternal state? And here's the answer to that. Their soul is reserved in hell until the final judgment. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 16 and look at verse number 19 with me. Luke 16 and verse number 19. And we find a very interesting story here the Lord Jesus Christ tells. Luke 16 verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Watch very closely. The Bible says the rich man also died and was buried. But that was not the end. Verse 23, and in hell... He lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. So that lost person that dies, their soul goes to hell and they are there, by the way, they are there tormented until the last judgment, which by the way, we're going to get into in our biblical prophecy series, the great white throne judgment. What's that mean? What's that about, preacher? We're going to be talking about that. Okay, but here's another question. What happens to a saved person when they die? And here's the answer to that. Their soul goes immediately into the presence of the Lord. Now, take your Bibles and turn back a few pages, the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter five, and look, if you will, at verse number six. 2 Corinthians chapter five and verse number six. What happens to somebody that's born again? Somebody that knows Christ and they they pass away. What what happens to them, preacher? Their soul goes immediately into the presence of a Lord. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number six. The Bible says, Paul says, therefore we are always what's the word? Confident. Then we're not doubting. We're 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 not worried. We're not uh, we're not burdened. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body we are absent from the Lord verse seven, for we walk by faith, not by sight, we are confident here's that word again we are confident I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord and so when a saved person dies when they when, when, when they, their soul leaves their body, their soul goes immediately into the presence of of the Lord. Let me give you a good example of that. Take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 23, if you will. Luke chapter 23. How many remember the story of the thief on the cross? You know, there are some who believe that, uh, you know, when you die, you're going to go in an unconscious state of sleep for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But that's not what our Bible teaches. Our soul goes to be immediately in the presence of the Lord. Luke 23, verse 42. This is the story of the malefactors uh, crucified beside the Lord and throughout the course of the crucifixion, one of those criminals begins to realize that Jesus really is who he says he is. And and, uh, look at uh, Luke 23 and verse 42. The Bible says, and he, the malefactor, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And verse 43, and Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today, today shalt thou be with me in paradise and so preacher what happens to that person that's born again and they they pass away immediately their soul is in the presence of the lord and i want to tell you something else too church i really believe this for the child of god i don't believe there's any death i'm sorry i don't believe there's any fear i don't believe there's one ounce of fear if you've been born again you know so many people are worried about death listen don't worry Don't be fearful. Now, I know there's the unknown, but listen to me. If you are a born-again child of God, you need not worry about death. I really believe this church that there will not be one ounce of fear. Listen to Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. How about 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You say, well, preacher, how can you be so sure? Why why do you think that You know, when a Christian dies, why do you think they're not going to have any fear? And this is one of the reasons I believe it is because I believe that death for the believer is going to include a wonderful reception, a wonderful reception. We're going to be escorted into the presence of the Lord. I believe that. And so somebody, you know, people say, well, people say, you know, when I die, there's going to be this long, dark tunnel, and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be walking through this long, dark tunnel for maybe several, you know, several hundreds of years. No, no, that's not it at all. Listen, when you and I take our last breath, you know what I believe? I believe we get a heavenly escort into, into heaven. Absolutely. Take your Bibles, I'll show a couple other places we're done. Look at Acts chapter 7 and verse 54 This is talking about the deacon Stephen. Boy, Stephen's been preaching the gospel. They've gotten so mad at him. They've gnashed on him with their teeth. They beat him up. They've stoned him with stones. And and Stephen's getting ready to make his transition. He's getting ready to leave this life. And look at Acts chapter 7 and verse number 54. The Bible says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, Stephen, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit you know what I believe I believe that Peter uh, I'm sorry that Stephen got a, he got a heavenly reception he was escorted escorted into the very presence of the king of kings and the Lord of Lords I'll not make you turn back there but we read this a while ago in Luke 16:21 listen to this concerning, concerning the beggar Luke 16:21 and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, I can't explain all this. But a few months ago, I preached my mama's funeral. And my mom was ready. She knew the Lord. Mom never exhibited not one ounce of fear when it came to death, never. I I never, not, not one solitary day did we have a conversation where mom was fearful of death. In fact, I'm gonna be honest with you, she sort of looked for it. And I believe that when my my little mama closed her eyes in death and took her last breath on this earth, I believe there was zero fear. And I believe that a heavenly escort came and took my little mama away. You know, we, and, and you've heard me say something like this before. We have what we call here at the church, we have something called the hospitality team. And they they stay out here on Sunday morning, and they welcome guests in, and and they might show parents where the nurseries are, and they might show folks where Sunday school classes are, and they might show fo- folks where uh, where the restrooms are. Again, you know what? When new people come, sometimes there's that there's that awkwardness. They don't they've never been here. They don't they don't know the people. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to put their kids. And so we have the hospitality team. They're here, and the and the purpose of the hospitality team is to remove that awkwardness and and to take care of those folks and to show them around and and to put them in ease. Listen, I believe this. With all my heart, I believe that God has his own hospitality team. And one of these days when we close our eyes in death, thank God, God's hospitality team is coming our way. And we're escorted into heaven. Richard Baxter said it like this, my knowledge of that life is small. The eye of faith is dim, but it's enough that Christ knows all and I shall be with him. I read this story about a An older gentleman by the name of Bishop Warren Chandler. And the bishop lay on his, he lay on his deathbed. And a friend came. And he asked this preacher, who'd been preaching for many, many years, and he said, Preacher, he said, I just gotta ask you, are you afraid? Are you afraid? He said this: he said, Do you fear crossing over the river of death? And Bishop Chandler answered this way: Why should I fear? I belong to a father who owns the land on both sides of the river. Amen. Yes, sir. And that is so true. Somebody needs to sing this song real soon. It goes like this, but just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air and finding it celestial, of waking up in glory, and finding it home. I think we're okay. If you're a born-again child of God, I believe your eternal state's all right. I believe you're okay. Now, this is what we learned. The day of death is unknown. An appointment with death is for sure. To ignore death is foolish, and to dread death is unnecessary. But there's one more point that's not on the screen that I thought I wanted to give you and that's this, the finality of death is promised. Right. Now, we're done, but I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and look at verse 24. Now, let me tell you one of the reasons that I want to point this out because we're going to head back this direction on Sunday morning uh, or Sunday night, one or the other, whichever way the Holy Ghost leads. But, uh, but 1 Corinthians 15 addresses the kingdom. And that's what we've been talking about here at Calvary the last little bit. But there's something else I noticed here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. The Bible says, then cometh the end. Now that's what we're gonna talk about Sunday. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Look at verse 26. I've got it highlighted. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Boy, Calvary got good news for you. There's coming a day when there'll be no more death. No more funerals. No more funeral possessions. No more baby caskets. No more cancer. No more Alzheimer's. No more dementia. Thank God for doctors, but they'll be no longer needed in that fair land. Thank God for undertakers. They have a purpose and they do a great they do a great, uh, a great, service to us. But I'm so, I'm so thankful we're going, to a, we're going to a land where there'll be no undertakers, only the upper taker. And heaven's going to be a wonderful, wonderful place. So if you're here tonight, you're born again, your eternal state is in good shape. If you're here tonight and you're lost and you don't know Christ is your personal Savior, your eternal state needs to be handled right away because for you it's a scary, scary thing. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads with me tonight? Thank you for listening so well. Hey, is your eternal state, is it set Have you been washed in the blood? Are you born again? Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven? If not, boy, tonight, I wouldn't walk out of this building until I knew I got that settled. Because we all have an appointment with death. And those folks who deny it and those folks who refuse to receive Jesus, they have that same appointment. And just like you and I, just like William Hurst, there's coming a day when they're gonna meet death. If you're here tonight and you don't know that you're saved, make this that night. If you're watching by way of live stream, we're so glad to have you tuning into the broadcast tonight. And if you're watching this evening and say, Brother Steve, my eternal state is not set. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm gonna be with the Lord. We're putting a a number on the bottom of your screen right now. 704-327-5662. And if you'll watch, if you'll call, if you'll call that number, we have some people waiting by the phone right now that would love to take your call. And we want to pray with you tonight. And we would love to see you come to faith in Jesus. Hey, Calvary, would you do us a favor? Would you stand all over the house tonight? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. If you're here tonight and your eternal state is not set, would you do this? We're going to pause just for a moment. Would you just slip out and make your way down one of these one of these aisles? And we'd like to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Will you do that? Now, we're, going to, we're not going to prolong the invitation. But it could be you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, my eternal state is all set. Jesus is my Savior. But I have some loved ones who are lost, lost, lost. And if something doesn't happen, their soul is going to wind up in a merciless hell forever and ever and ever and ever. And tonight, you might want to just slip out and come and pray for that loved one that's lost and undone without Jesus. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I do pray that you'll work in spite of us. And God, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Lord, if there are any in this room that don't know that they're ready to meet the Lord, I pray tonight will be the night that they'll come and let us take a Bible and show them how they can be born again. Lord, if folks are tuned into the live stream and, Lord, they're not sure of their eternal destiny, Father, would you help them to reach for the phone and right now give them boldness and courage to dial that number until somebody picks it up. And I pray they'll come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll burden our hearts for our lost loved ones. Lord, some are in the altars tonight. God, you know. You know who they're burdened about. Oh, God, I pray you'd save them. God, I pray that you'd show them their need of a Savior. Lord, even before the service, people came to me burdened, burdened about their loved ones that are lost. Oh, God, I pray. Holy Spirit, that you would open up an opportunity. Lord, for us to get a witness in. Lord, help a soul winner to come by their home. Help a gospel tract to be given to them. Help them to hear the gospel preached. And God, I pray that you'd soften their heart and I pray they'd come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. God, have your way in this invitation, please. And we sure thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed. And our eyes are closed. We're going to pause just for a moment. And I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. I want you to come. And we want to take the Bible and show you how to be born again tonight. If you're watching live stream, please, please, please call that number right now. And we have some folks that would just love nothing more than to pray with you over the phone right now. Please do that, please. And if you need to come while others are in the altar, you come tonight while we wait.